Yo, what's up everybody? It's your boy A.L. Newton and you're tuned in for another episode of A New Perspective. So glad that you decided to start your week off or find some time in your week to hear the perspective of an old regular Joe like me. Um, want to first start off, let's start off here this week. Um, the podcast growth has been beyond um, what I ever imagined when this started off. And surpasses every goal uh, that I think I had for this podcast um, just when it was playing out in my mind. And so we're now in 10 countries. I think I'm going to start claiming an international podcast just because I can, even if it is somebody just changing their settings. <laughs> I don't know that to be the case, but um, I'm thankful. Thankful for all of you that share it and share your feedback um, privately and let me know uh, how you felt about the perspective. So... Oh, and, and so my friends are competitive. And so just to let uh, folks know, um, the, the most listened to, I got a brand new chair. Maybe I'm just so fat that the springs in the new chair sound like the springs in the old chair. So I'm sorry for the clicking. It's just uh, I hadn't lost enough weight. So the most listened to episode so far has been the one with old RB2. That would be my dad. Tied for second place is Julian and Joey. Believe it or not, and in third place, so Chris Martinez. So um, you all definitely enjoy. Those are not uh, top three listen to episodes with somebody on it. Um, so you all definitely prefer when we have a guest on, and preferably as the podcast grows, we're able to get uh, even more in-depth interviews and people with um, resources and connections and more diversity in conversation and conversation and use it as a platform to educate ourselves. Speaking of connections... And knowing people, um, at the mention at the end of last week's podcast, that I was uh, in the process of um, going through the steps to see Kamala Harris, uh, the Democratic, um, the Democratic candidate for vice president, live, um, and that's all from connections and people you know. And um, I've I've been in the presence of Michelle Obama. And being around in the presence of Kamala was uh, was different. It was very, very different. Um, Michelle had a more regal tone. Um, Kamala had a had a you you could tell that she was a prosecutor, both for lawyers, but there was it was just different. Um, different energies, different vibes. It was definitely different being at a political rally that was drive-in and not in-person, which really limits the interaction you can have with people. Um, but it was genuinely great outside of um, Kamala. And there's a GIF and a picture and a video of her dancing in the rain to Mary J. Blige. It was just surreal because, you know, you, you have the potential to be the next vice president and it's raining. And you're, you're showing that, you're showing your perseverance even in the rain to give a, if you're giving a speech, period, you know how hard that is. To be given a campaign seat a campaign speech and uh, in the rain in a very charged election year in a unique rally and still just be as happy as you want to be um her, her energy was was off the wall and we had listened to a number of other people speak beforehand and it was like okay we're here but when kamala got it it was like all right we you could you could feel it it was energetic it was really um, nice. Getting through Secret Service. Oh my goodness. Um, I think we had three temperature checks. 
um, a vetting of your name even being on the list to get in, then to get out, the pat down by the Secret Service, the way they searched the car. Um, I didn't like being in Jacksonville without uh, without my uh, firearm on me, but holy Christmas. I'm happy I took it out because I'd have been I'd have gone down anyway, but they, um, the thorough searchness, the seriousness, I don't think the Secret Service gets enough credit for the way they conduct themselves and even the way they move throughout the crowd and the crowd um i think it was only they only invited 150 people um to be in it be in person and it just felt so good i i, I questioned some life decisions of sitting in a car questioning some life decisions because it was great just to see old friends and old colleagues and um people who are still working in capitol hill in Tallahassee, people who moved to national ranks, um, working with campaigns and people with influence and, and just catching up. It was phenomenal to see old friends with old connections um, who still have the fire to get things moved and done. Um, made me miss it. Gosh, it made me, uh, it made me miss it. And, and although there's moments where I feel like it will never happen again, uh, that will never be the life I live again. Um, that <laughs> be, being there made me made me want to go brush off some old phone numbers, make some old phone calls, and see if anybody wants to hire old uh, loudmouth um, to come work in their office. So it was it was surreal. It, it was really high energy. Um, so that being said, I, I hope um, by now that. You have voted or you have made plans to vote. The election day is not uh, election day is not the first day of the election. It is actually the last day of the election. So go early vote. It takes no time to go early vote. Go even. Um, I, I think by now there's no secret who, who I'm voting for or who I have voted for. I voted already. Um, but just taking part of the the diplomatic process, and uh, if on election night I'm angry again because the person with the most votes didn't win. I could just yell and complain about the system even more. Um, or we'll be celebrating uh, first African-American woman um, and the first woman in an elected position. But it, voting is what makes us different. The integrity of our process. Um, I do want to say this. Let's, let's segue to the debate. Because um, the debate... I, I am a tough critic on the current president of the United States. I know I am. Um, for all the reasons I voted for Jeb in 2016, believe it or not, there is a, a, a ballot cast at one point with Donald Trump's name on it for me um, in the in the primary because I wasn't going to waste the vote. And I am a super voter, so um, I, I'm just not a fan. Um, I believe there's a certain way you conduct yourself. There's a, there's a certain way you hold yourself. I want to give the president credit for this. The, the debate, his temperament was much different. He listened to his advisor. He's, he was taking notes. Um, the moderator, her name escapes me at the moment, um, Kristen, and I should know this because she was, she, the sister handled her business. But um, the president needs to get points for being able to reel it in. What bothers me about that is the fact that... Um, if he would have done that, uh, if he w if he would have done that at any point 
from 2016 on, if that would have been his tone, at least publicly, um, I don't feel like the country would be as divided, even if people didn't agree with his policies. Um, I don't think we would be so on edge. I don't think the, the corona conversation would be what it is if that was just his temperament. Um, the, there is a such thing as, as leadership, temperament leadership. Um, because as a leader, as a leader, as a person leading an organization, as a person leading a charge, a movement, whatever, um, when you have people that you're trying to get to follow you, you I, I believe in the 80-20 rule when it comes to leadership. So 80% of the time, any of the leadership roles I've ever stepped into, anytime I teach leadership, 80% of the time, you want to be um, a leader by inspiration. You, you want people to be inspired and that's why they work for you. The other 20% is command and control. Yeah, sometimes you got to put your pound your fist on the desk and make sure people remember, you know, who it is um, that that moves the needle or who, who it is that sets the metric for the needle to move because the people ultimately move the needle. But temperament matters. And, and he gets credit for his temperament during the debate, fell apart a little bit towards the end. But that bothers me because it means that you were capable and you did not care to do it. Um, as far as the debate itself. Same old, same old, same old talking points. Um, I don't think anything was just life shattering. Um, I really wish people would stop peddling conspiracy theories. I have an issue with that with the president too. And I have an issue then with Fox News, the way they catch it and then they run it. But some of these things are factually not proven. Um, are factually proven to be false. And we keep pushing this narrative because it sounds good. Run on what you know. If you didn't get health care done in four years, say, hey, look, th this is me. If I was the president of the United States and it was my charge and, uh, and, and I am a Republican, if I was trying to change uh, the Affordable Health Care Act, which I'm not a fan of for, for different reasons, um, everybody, I don't feel like everybody should get free health care. I feel like health care should be affordable. You don't know how rich or poor you are until you get sick and you realize, hey, whew. You really ain't got no money. So if it was me, if I was advising anybody uh, that was a Republican these past 10 years, or now the president who has had four years um, and at one point had the House and the Senate, um, this is what I would have said. I would have said, you know, I saw the last administration rush health care. I don't want to promise a plan on health care until I know it's right. I don't want to make a move on health care until both sides can come to somewhat of an agreement on what we need. I have to get it fixed. I have to unify it. I didn't get done the first four years for this reason, that reason, and this reason. However, I'm going to get it done. I'm going to broker a deal. I'm a deal maker. Boom. That's an answer on health care. And it's not just an excuse. It's not just... Um, we got a plan. We got a plan. We got a plan. You, you can do that with anything. Climate climate change is real. Um, to what effect, to what extent you believe it, it's real. And so there, there's a way to this. And it's not a political answer. It's just sometimes you got to tell the truth. I didn't get it done. I didn't get it done because I found this issue greater to be this issue. This is my presidency. This is ultimately my snap and how I want to lead the country. Um, I believe it's better for the people now, better for the people 10 years from now, and it will make the people 10 years ago proud of, of what we moved as a country. This is what I want to do. Um, that's temperament. That's leadership. That's owning it. That's offering a solution. That's that's highlighting a problem. It, it, that's that's accountability. That's all those things in one. 
And they could have done it. And and you saw that a bit with Joe Biden with the crime bill. Oh, one day I'm going to bring on people that understand the nineteen ninety-four crime bill. <laughs> and, and 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 you know, I can say this. I this is my podcast. You can turn it off right now if you want to. Woke black folk kill me sometimes. Because woke black folk go find stuff that's irrelevant, that's not woke. And bring it to the mainstream light, and then then our counterparts, who who need a pecking piece or a piece to discuss, use that and say highlight where you brought it to the forefront, because the 1994 crime bill did lower crime rates, and you can't bring to me one African American leader, one Democratic leader, one Republican leader that opposed the 1994 crime bill. You're beating Joe Biden's head in about it. Um, was it a mistake? It it had. It had mistake. Um, there were mistake, a lot of mistakes in it, but it wasn't even the 1994 bill that was so egregious. The reason the 94 bill, in my opinion, is so captivating is because for the longest time and still in this time, the greatest president of my lifetime. And I think the American history books are going to say that Bill Clinton is the best president that has ever lived. And so when people want to poke holes in your legacy, they go and find things. And so the, the 94 crime bill was something Bill Clinton, who now that was a real deal maker. That was a real he was a Republican wearing Democratic clothes. Um, he, he got deals done. So he balanced the book. That's working with Newt Greenridge. That, that's how he just got stuff done. Maybe a little head in the Oval Office is what motivated him. That was so inappropriate, but I can't edit that out. <laughs> um, but. <laughs> I said that in real life. Um, people poke holes, and so the '94 crime bill, because the way it was administrated, had more had more backlash than than what the actual bill says. But Joe Biden in that debate comes out and says, "You know what? It was a mistake. We shouldn't be sending drug addicts to jail. We should be sending them to rehab," which is true. We all know somebody that's on drugs. Um, now their penalty for weed kills me and it kills me now people who are so against weed who don't know the people that actually do weed it's it's kind of hilarious who smoke weed you can't do the weeds I'll take five of the weeds please um, those people that do weed or do, do those narcotics and the way they applied cocaine to crack and and have those conversations about how yeah um, black poor black folk did it out on the street sold drugs out on the street and, and they got arrested for it whereas middle um middle class and high-end white folks would go and have oh i'm going to see john and sue for a few moments and spend 45 minutes in somebody's house act like you're just catching up and then you walk out with the drugs and and the way it was policed makes a difference that is why people consistently call for um policing change policing reform it's it's <laughs> The, the way you administer um, blame and judgment and assess talent is different. I'll say the same thing about Barack Obama. President Trump kept saying, why didn't Barack Obama do it? Joe, why didn't you do it? One, Joe wasn't the president. And two, there were just certain issues that Joe couldn't, that Barack could not broach. I say that all the time, being a black man of leadership. There are black people, you could do this, you could do that, you could do this. No, I, I can't. I, I worked hard to get here. 
it's going to get me out of here the moment I, I, I cross a line that people have set. And so if I'm going to be successful, if I'm really going to be a mover, if I'm really going to be an innovator, I'm going to find a way to change the wording and the way the policy is and then bring people forward. That's that's just what I'm going to do. Because um, otherwise they'll put me out and then you're still in the same spot and I'm out of a job. So, um, one of the major, oh, um, what's the, Kirsten Welker, Kirsten Welker, a African-American and Native American woman, that's who, uh, who, who moderated that debate, and she did, uh, outstanding, styled out to, I think only George Stephanopoulos was the only male interviewer, moderator for any of this, I know men often feel like they're under attack, but, uh, somebody that's been passionate the past few years, um, greater attendance, greater giving, greater people life change now when I have a woman preacher um, or a woman speaker. And so we, we have to, I, I know men feel like masculinity is under attack, but one of the things I've learned about being a man is that uh, nobody else, if, if I'm going to be the man, then nobody else can question my masculinity. And if I'm going to be the man, uh, having and seeing somebody else excel does not take away from what I'm doing, especially if it's a woman. And so shout out to the, the moderators who are mostly female, interviewers who are mostly female. But but uh, Kirsten Welker, she really did a phenomenal job of moderating that debate. So just from my own perspective and own thinking, there's no such thing as being intimidated by a woman and leadership just for me. Um, one of the big pieces of the debate was COVID. Uh, of course, it is still, the fatigue is running out. Uh, being in the industry that I'm in, uh, we get, we're, we're privileged to seeing a lot of data, a lot of surveying, and people are tired of the virus, but that does not mean that the, the virus is tired of us. I um, attended a funeral yesterday for someone else who had died of COVID. I, I, that situation was a little different. Uh, it was, it was, you know, sad, of course, but uh, a little different. And so, um, had definitely buried more people from COVID than ever from the flu. And, and so, you still need to be safe. You still need to, um, in those in certain settings, wear a mask. I think in all settings, ah, don't don't get me on the mask. I'm tired of the mask. Mask breath is real. Wear one for ten to twelve hours a day at least. Um, when I go to the grocery store, I've told y'all I, I wear them. When I'm around my close friends, I don't, uh, not as much, but they also know I'm going to keep six inches or six feet away from them and, and uh, barely am I going to have any contact. And so and it's crazy. Everybody in my circle, for the most part, has had uh, COVID. My friend circle um, have had COVID and uh, been blessed not to get it, knock on wood. Um, so still be safe, still be vigilant. This thing isn't going away, the, the science, the data, um, not what you get on the news. Uh, maybe maybe it's just I'm thankful to work in a place that, that surveys and, and gets its own data, own feedback as its own scientist. Um, that everybody's hoping for 2021. Uh, this this thing won't be back to normal in 2021. That, that it, it'll be about 2022 before it really starts to relax is kind of crazy the things that people don't think about um because you have it's, it's, when you see the people who are anti-vax who won't wear masks um and know that they say when there's a cure for it they'll 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 get it taken care of it's just it's just kind of interesting people's logic i spent a long time talking to my boss this week and other you know so the people and just 
applying their um, applying their logic to uh, situations. And so you can't be anti-vax and anti-mask, but want to be healthy and not be worried about it and be faith over fear. And and then when somebody in your circles gets fixed, you're creating a Facebook page, prayers for such and such and such and such and such. I just, uh, maybe I'm getting uh, cold hearted and I just don't have no sympathy for that. If, if you didn't do the things um, to take care of yourself, it's like seeing people who have cancer, in particular lung cancer, and keep smoking a cigarette. At some point, you have to make the choice not to be addicted to addictive situations. And I know it's addiction and I know that sounds horrible, but there, there are days you have to wake up in the mirror and say, okay, you know, I am done with this. It is killing me. I know that I have some habits. I have some things that I used to do. I have some things I still crave that I still like that, that I have to say, no, I'm not coke and not here. And I'm just talking in hyperbole slightly um, that I miss, but I also have the notion of, I want to be a better me. And, and that comes with people, that comes with habits, that comes with hobby. And, um, yeah. So, I want to talk about the Pope. Uh, I like Pope. Uh, I like this Pope. I like Pope Francis. Um, this Pope is progressive. Um, this Pope has come out and, and talked about like how gay people are loved by God. I believe that notion. I, I used to not believe it. One day, we'll have that conversation Um in depth, I'd love to have um, people from from the LGBT community on just to talk about it. But we we can't sit up here and say God loves everybody and then pick and choose who God loves because none of us are God. And and I think at some point we have to have a deep dive into what was going on when the Nicene Council got together and put together the Bible. Yeah, they they put together the Bible. They said what was going to go in it, what wouldn't be in it, what was okay, what's not okay. There are pieces and portions of Jesus's life that are purposely let out because left out because they weren't used. They, they There were things that are written about Jesus's life that did not fit the narrative of those people who were trying to progress the Christian movement. That's just factual. It's just true. Um, and so when we start talking about Christianity, so I, in, in America, you're seeing if, if from black Americans, a step away from Christianity because Christianity was used as an oppressive tool in America with slaves. And so you you see it now with certain um, levels of, of people. I won't say they say they're Christians because I believe that they are saved by Christ. Um, but just just what they're taught doesn't line up with what teaches what Jesus taught. If you really pay attention to what he said and if you listen to some of the things that are preached, um, they're designed um, that they, they, they're designed any, anything can be good but good things can also be spin the bad and let's leave that there for for a bigger conversation so and then this book went out and made the first um, or is making the first black uh, African-American Pope or the first African-American Cardinal um, and so that's a pretty big deal and think about how long Catholicism has been in America and there's never been an African-American cardinal, not a black. I got an argument with somebody because I said Mookie Betts is the only black player in um, only black player playing in the in the World Series. He is when we categorize that as African-American, but he is um, the, the guy that plays for the Rays is uh, Dominican. And so. Um, 
uh, it's just there's there's still so many firsts for African Americans that people don't ever want to highlight or talk about and look, and it's just it's just crazy. Speaking of the World Series, I am rooting for Mer Mookie Betts. So uh, this is probably gonna get me in trouble too. One day I'm not going to be able to go anywhere without side eyes and side looks. So Wale has a, a song called Sue Me. It says Sue Me, I'm rooting for everybody's black. So I'm rooting for making Mookie Betts. Get get that money, bruh. Get that money. I had a conversation with um I, I don't think your mommy saying his name, JT Clark. He called me, he was concerned. He's like, man, I know I can't change MLB, but these numbers are, are staggering. And we were just talking about some of the things that keep African Americans from playing baseball. <laughs> I grew up loving baseball. Grew up in grew up in North Carolina. And so baseball and street hockey. Every Christmas I got something baseball and I got something street hockey when I was from kindergarten all the way to like fourth grade, my room was baseball stuff. I still have a baseball blanket with all of the the um, with all of the team logos on there. I love baseball. I, I genuinely do. I act stupid when people start talking about baseball because I don't know why I'm ashamed of the fact that I love baseball, but I love baseball. So what we used to play in the grass lot next to our apartments. And so I I am shooting for from rearing from Mookie, but what I was telling JT is one is expensive. Baseball was made expensive for a reason. It was to keep uh, to keep baseball looking a certain way. That is why baseball is so expensive to play. And school systems, in my opinion, need to replace kickball in PE with baseball. I think that if you replaced um, just teaching the fundamentals the same way, it, you have punt, pass, and kick. So those kids that can punt, pass, and kick kind of get it. And then all of a sudden they want to play football. With basketball, you kind of roll the ball out and, and hoopers hoop. And, and then once you identify a hooper, you start to teach them game. Do the same thing with baseball. I bet you would see a rise in African-Americans playing baseball. You, you just would. Our, our hand kind of, same thing with tennis. Roll a, roll, a, roll a tennis ball and a racket out there and show the rules of the game and watch it excel. Watch that um, go up. But same thing with golf. But... <laughs> Because those sports are expensive, those are when people start talking about suppression and people start talking about um, inequalities and, and people don't get that. And you try to have those conversations, it's kind of hard to explain that, you know, not everybody has friends or their parents can't afford for them every year to get a new this, 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 that, and a third that, that was required with some of these sports. And so um, you want to close the gap, fund schools, and then... And then teach some of that stuff that matters, right? Um, the Presidential Fitness Physical Fitness Award didn't help very many people, but I bet you if you went out there and and taught some of these sports, you'd get a greater pushback. Since I'm on sports, I think I'll end here depressingly. Florida, Florida State. I yeah. I mean, I knew last week was was a facade. I knew it was fake. I knew I was capping when I was doing all that talking. I knew I was treating it like the national championship. But Mike Norvell, as quick as he gained a fan, lost a fan. Could you imagine if Willie Taggart was up there talking about not having a team, no way to play? Did, did you see the way people slaughtered him when he said, oh, the team wasn't hydrated enough? How people talked about it. No, I, I, the FSU media... In the spin, and the, there's just some things. Some things are some things are Jimmy's and Joe's, yes. But I know enough about the sport to look and can tell when it's the X's and the O's, 
when it's the preparation. When when kids are pulling up on a tackle, it's because in practice you have them pull up at a tackle. Okay? If kids are stopping midway through, kids, grown adults, I don't care what you want to call them. I don't mean to offend them because they're, they're adults. But if, if they're stopping <laughs> on a reverse because they don't realize that somebody can counter it back or reverse it back, it's because in practice you blow the whistle there and you're going off about it and you're not coaching real time. If you're screaming on game day, you're not coaching right throughout the week. And these these boys don't scream on game day. You, you're just looking at, I just, I, I'm not the smartest football mind. I'll leave that to push football, uh, 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 football greats and minds and things. But, but some of this stuff is their practice habits. And we could talk about loser blood and we could talk about this. And I have been on teams with I've coached teams that have lost. Been on teams that have lost. Y'all notice I didn't say played. I've been on teams that was lost. And we lost because the other team beat us. Not because we were just poorly coached. We could tell you what was coming before it came. Now we had to execute it, and that's different. But but some of these things that I'm seeing are just really disappointing because they are, in my opinion. Um, bad practice habits, bad study habits, bad um, being in tune with the game habits, tweeting on game day. I just don't like that. I just listen in, in high school, and I didn't even play. I didn't play unless Chris got tired. That's just the truth. Um, but my girlfriend in high schools, my girlfriends in high school knew that before the game, there was no action, there was no lovey doveyness. Now Thursday night. <laughs> Thursday night was was the motivation show. Game day, like it was about the game. I was with my I was with my teammates. I, I was and I didn't play. And the people that played were like more zoned in. I think they were getting something though, because they were all wilder than I were. But there was a certain level of focus. We wouldn't have been tweeting on game day. Like our coaches would have killed us. It was just high school. I don't know. I don't know. So, um, like I said, thank you all again for the growth. We got some new merchandise coming, new logos coming. It's just it's just about to get off the chain for the perspective. And so, um, friends and family, that that's going to do it for this week. Um, next week, we'll... Uh, I don't know what we're going to do next week. Let's see what next week holds for us. I'm going to have something good to talk about. Till next week, I love you, and there's absolutely nothing you can do about it. Peace!